0: all right, good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, LA County, up the coast to Seattle, down to Cabo, out to the desert. All these podcasts are on iymoney.com, commercial free. And if you want to listen live on your device, there's an app for 760 KFMB. And we are also on iTunes uh, if you search the title of the show. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire. He is an accomplished marathon runner. He is a best-selling author and lecturer. He's a philanthropist and a a family office expert advising several high-net-worth families. Richard, good evening. How are you?
1: Doing great, Joe. Been enjoying this hot weather.
0: I am telling you, I love radio for the simple reason we can wear shorts and and, and sit uh, in air conditioning. Yeah, boy, oh boy! I don't know if I could I could do a, a, a suit, a news in the suit or whatever. Yeah, I just come
1: here to do radio, so <laughs> I have air. Condi- I don't have any. I live at the beach, so I have no air conditioning.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay. And boy, it's, boy did
1: we ever need it this summer?
0: Yeah, it's it's been warm and humid. Uh, and then uh, of course they're saying it's a slam dunk as far as the El Nino, and uh, we'll see how much. <laughs> we'll be cooled off with a ton of water so anyway hopefully we'll be able to save some and and address the drought and of course they're saying it may not be enough for the the drought either since we've been in a mega drought for four years plus or whatever we'll see anyway the sun will come up tomorrow and um and and there you have it so uh coming off that tragic tragic football game last monday how
1: how soon can the chargers move (laughs) to la can they just go right now i've got a lot of season ticket holders who'd gladly chip in money to pay for the moving vans
0: well i i i i like the team it's i'm not so sure i like everything else i mean the management on up but uh whatever it is what it is you know these things go in cycles even the niners had horrible years before they won their first super bowl and 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 it'll probably be many decades before we We win. But anyway. Los
1: Angeles, here we come. Yeah.
0: Anyway, we're going to do an interesting show on history tonight and uh, focus somewhat around Balboa Park. And and I mentioned it before, and I think I'll mention it again. Um, If you've ever been to the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., you probably have been impressed with with that statue. Uh, I was, yes. Many people say it's probably the most significant or impactful uh, monument in uh, in Washington. And once you see it, it, it does blow you away. I did a little research on who actually carved the statue of Lincoln in the Lincoln Memorial, and there was a sculptor from from Massachusetts. I think it was Daniel Chester uh, uh, French or something like that. But but the actual stone carvers were a family of Sicilian immigrants uh, who had done a lot of public buildings and monuments, including the the I think it's the prediment, the, the structure above the Wall Street Journal as was Wall Street Wall Street uh, the New York Stock New York Exchange, Stock Exchange. As you walk in, yes. And I think they call it a prediment or something like that. But but anyway, they were the Pickarilly brothers. It was a I think a father and six sons, and they carved that Lincoln statue in the the nineteen. I think it was a five year project uh, starting in the um, the late nineteen hundred 1900, nineteen fourteen fifteen sixteen whatever. But prior to that, uh, if you go into Balboa Park, if you enter the Laurel Street Bridge and look up there, they did the they designed. I guess it was the the logo. Uh, and it's, it's above the gate there, uh, carved by one of the sons, and maybe more than one worked on. But Furio Piccarelli carved that. So there is a Lincoln Memorial Balboa Park connection. Wow. And I think they've also done uh, some other buildings in the park as well. And um, so it's something to, to note. But we have someone in, in studio tonight as our guest who might have some more information about that and a lot of San Diego history in, in general, in addition to the great San Diego History Center, because he's the director of marketing for the San Diego History Center. His name is Matthew Schiff. Matthew, welcome to our show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me,
0: guys. Yeah, this is really a, a treat because, gosh, looking at your website, org. I mean, it is just packed with... With information. But so
1: na- name the six Piccarelli brothers. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry. I won't do that to you. Yes, in, in chronological Sergio, order. Mario, <laughs> Luigi. Good one, Richard. Nice.
0: <laughs> Compare and contrast, yes. But anyway, um, <laughs> look, you're, you're, the Single History Center, folks, if, it used to be called the Single Historical Society and um, I, I think they ch- the name change was good because it kind of opened it up to everyone thought it was just, gee, a private society that uh, a bunch of historians get together and store stuff, but if you've been down there uh, it's right near the fleet science center and the natural history museum and there is just some great great content in there not to mention least of which or give me most of which this year was the dr seuss exhibit um but matthew tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into your the, the museum itself uh born and raised but, where? but
1: first some trivia in 1981 and 82 i was the cpa for the san diego historical society <laughs> How about that? Anyway, Matthew, I'm go waiting. ahead. I'm waiting for the bad news. Yeah. <laughs> I know. They're still around, so it's good. You did a great job. Thank, Thank you. you.
0: I did not know that, Richard. Can we get a monument in the state in exactly. the history center? But anyway, uh, quickly, uh, born and raised where, and how you found your way to San Diego? Because that's always interesting.
2: Yeah, so uh, I was born and raised in uh, Reno, Nevada, I fell in love with history because we have a lot of mines there from mm-hmm. the uh, silver days, and so I'd always mm. loved to go trying to find these things and explore them, and I always wondered, you know, gosh, there were people here before me. You mean life didn't start when I emerged? So uh, um, I wish I could say it was history that brought me down to San Diego, but it was actually Tip- the...
0: Typical millennial answer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know if this is more millennial, but it was the uh, weather and the women that brought me south, not my scholastic <laughs> pursuit. So uh, here I am, been here since '96, and managed to.
0: All right, so born and raised in Reno, <coughs> went went to school where though.
2: Uh, the University of San Diego.
0: Oh, U.S.D. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Where Chris Bryant went for four. Did you also s- Richard Musio. Yeah, Richard Musio. My
1: God, My batting average was lower. Every- Terrero's.
0: Everybody on this show is either from UCSD or uh, USD. It's, it's unbelievable. we got to get some San Diego State people on here. Someday, Who? Richards. Who? What? <laughs> Who? what? <laughs> Who
1: are they?
2: Oh, yeah, that's
0: cool. <laughs> By the way, Chris Bryant doing a phenomenal job for the Cubs. I don't know how far they'll go in the playoffs, but did you guys see him play at all at USD? I know you, you guys have already graduated, but... Uh, I did. You did go down there and see him play?
1: Yeah, it was like a man playing
0: against boys. Yeah, he's like, what, 6'5", right, this guy? Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Anyway, we di- we digress. But hopefully the, there might be some more history in Chicago before... All
1: you used to hit all. him leadoff so he could get more at bats. Honest to gosh? Seriously, Rich Hill did that so he could get more at bats. Isn't that something? Yeah. Who knew that? Why not hit your best hitter first? I don't know. Well, who do you Padres pr- manager hits their best hitter like eighth? Do they
0: do they have a best hitter? I don't know. But <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> we're going all over the place. I know this is crazy. So, so uh, the mines, Reno. Where were we? Um,
2: I, I was telling you how how it was history that brought me here, not the weather and the women.
1: Exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So what, you, what year did you get here?
2: I got here in 96. He
1: said okay. that already, Richard. Okay, I'm just getting us back on track. <laughs> so
0: U.S. you went to USD studying what?
2: History, and there I met uh, our good friend Iris Strand, and so um, she took me under her wing, taught me all there was to know about San Diego's mm. history, and here I am.
0: She is the preeminent authority on San Diego history, correct? And she she is. still teaches there. What courses does she teach there, by the she way?
2: teaches California history, uh, the Spanish Southwest, so Spanish colonialism in this area, and then I believe she
0: does uh, the master's thesis course. So let's, if you need, you need any history about San Diego folks, the go-to historian Iris. is Iris. <laughs> what's her last name again? Ingstrand. Ingstrand, right. Yeah. Or get a hold of Matthew down at the History Center, so <laughs> there you have it. But, um, all right, so then how did you m- migrate over to the History Center?
2: Well, uh, it, like anything in life, it was sort of a trials and tribulations. I was in the mortgage business, and after we brought down the uh, financial markets and the U.S. economy, I found myself unemployed, and so I uh, started volunteering in Balboa Park and uh, just got in with some of the people who make decisions, and the rest is history.
0: Well, you know, you make a very good point, because obviously a lot of people are going through the same thing right now, and I rather than do absolutely nothing or things aren't breaking your way as quickly as you think, get out there and volunteer for something, network, meet people, uh, and, and um, you know, con- use all your contacts and all your resources rather than uh, staying home when...
1: So how long ago when, was that? What year? Uh, that was well,
0: 2008 when everything started 08. coming okay, down. So yeah. eight, okay, so wait, okay. Where,
1: where did you volunteer
0: in Balboa Park, out of curiosity? Uh,
2: the Natural History Center. That was mm-hmm. when they were doing their uh, Dead Sea Scrolls exhibition. Oh, yeah. So that thing was, that was really great
0: to see. Mm-hmm. And then you just took a stroll across uh, the, the, the walkway there, the Prado, and uh, stumbled into the History Center. Right? I
2: literally walked in and said, "Do you guys have any jobs open?" <laughs> and they said no, but uh, you know you can help out. And so again, I started helping out in the marketing, and here we are.
0: Wonderful. Well, so that's a good lesson to be learned, right, Richard? Volunteer, uh, get involved. Volunteer in and meet th- people, th- collaborate, th- and network. Network exactly. Yep. Exactly. That's uh, the best way. As a matter of fact, that's the best way. The, the most frequently, I think, people get get an, uh, a new job is through their contacts. Mm-hmm. Are, I mean, uh, come on, would you? you know, these people email out hundreds and hundreds of, of, of resumes, and uh,
2: you're one in a hundred thousand.
0: Yeah, I mean, to get picked out of that loop just to get get an interview. Uh, I mean, it's best to use your your personal contacts, which I think sometimes goes uh, unnoticed by some by some people. Um, in any case. But look, we have to take our little break All right now. We'll be back with Matthew Schiff, Director of Marketing from the Sango History Center, right after this short break. Thank you. All right, we are back with more of It's Your Money and Your Life, and our guest is Matthew Schiff, Director of Marketing from the Sango History Center. And I think we, we had a little talk at the break here about some of the history of the San Diego History Center. I did not know it was at the Sarah Museum when Richard was the accountant. Up at so. the,
1: yeah, up at the Presidio. And, and uh, 81, 82, 83, actually well beyond that. So how many square feet was It started that? in 19, what year? It's 19... 28. 28, you wow. I was going to say. Because when I was working for them, it was uh, just over 50 years old. Right, that's right. So
0: it was at the Sarah Museum all those years, from 28 to, to uh, when did you move, 80? Yeah,
2: 80... Uh, 81. 82 we moved, 82. I believe, is when we took possession. But it, uh, yeah, so the Presidio Museum sits above the site of the first permanent European settlement in what is today the state of California. So, I mean, mm. just having that site was is mm-hmm. amazing right now. And so, you know, the museum was built by George Marston in 1928. Um, he was a huge city father. Obviously, this was right at the beginning of the Depression or right before the Depression. And so right. he... He funded it and and you know said as long as you guys maintain the land, I'll build the building, I'll do all of that. And so it's a real testament to the, uh, you know, the love that San Diegans have for their
0: past up there. Yeah, the philanthropists do give uh, to worthy causes. That's for sure. So what's at the Sarah Museum right now? Any idea?
2: Well, that is our museum where we discuss, and we're the only one in California actually where we discuss the Spanish Colonial period in California. <laughs> we discuss. Father Sarah, the Kumeyaay who were here before, who had you know long established complex societies before mm-hmm. the Spanish showed up, and then um, there's a brief uh, one of the exhibitions talks about the 75th anniversary of the so museum.
0: It, so at the Sierra Museum, you still have you still have a uh, docents or somebody giving tours, and oh that's we good do. Job. It's uh, did uh, it's not know that
2: it's not as well attended as we'd hoped. You know, it's a difficult site to get to. It's not ADA. Yet, because it was built so long ago, but it is up on a hill. But it, it is worth it when you get up there.
0: Certainly, a lot of history to it, and. Um,
1: but all the photographs are now at, at Balboa Park, right? Yes, yeah.
2: sir.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, we should get into the content because, folks, if you've never been down to the history center to. To get into their library you say there's 2.5 million historical photos down there right wow. matthew yep Two point five million. and people can buy i mean there's a price for them but i mean you can get copies if you like right if there's if you want to see where your original business was located or your what the site of your home was or there's all kinds of things but those photos date back to the 1800s, right?
2: Yeah, one of the earliest ones we have is about uh, 1864, and it looks down from the hill onto Old Town, and yeah, is just right? just nothing there. Nothing there. <laughs> one of the most interesting things, though, in the f- in the photograph, you see the San Diego River bending around Presidio Hill. It used to dump into the bay, mm-hmm. the San Diego Bay, and it wasn't until you know the 1850s and 60s when the U.S. Army
0: Corps of Engineers moved it out to Mission Bay, where ah. it goes today did not know well i know mission bay was an artificially made um, you know marsh that they built into a bay but i did not know that the river went right through there well i guess when it rains it's, it comes back yep <laughs> we pro- we not promised, that we know it rains
1: like <laughs> yeah, it depends how much it rains we promised not to ask trivia questions but didn't downtown originally wasn't that originally called new town because of old town
2: that's exactly right uh, okay. alonzo horton he Had a heck of a time trying to get people to move over there, which seems crazy. But the reason you know nobody inhabited that area is because the, back then the uh, bay was too shallow, you couldn't right. get big ships in there. Uh, so oh, yeah,
0: they dredged the harbor also to get big. Sh- oh, I did not know in
2: that in the 20s. Either. So huh. Newtown, yeah, so they called it Newtown. And uh, believe it or not, Alonzo Horton had materials shipped around from Boston around the Cape oh, up wow. the west coast, and you know, uh, like you would see in New England, New England, clapboard mm-hmm. style paneling and he said he would whitewash people's house for free if they just moved there
0: from
1: old town. town
2: wow
0: well the fur traders <laughs> i mean uh richard henry dane and dana point they did come around south america uh back in the day so i mean about? this
2: for a while this was the just the end of the earth <laughs> <laughs> san diego it, it was so hard to get to
0: i'll bet well you know have you collaborated with uh you know they just launched the san salvador the replica of the the galleon that um, cabrillo uh, sailed into this harbor, what was it, 1492? 1542. Like, okay, uh, 1542.
1: See, I'm glad you're here now. 1492 <laughs> was when Columbus sailed the <laughs> ocean blue, Jack. I
0: know, I got that stuck in my head. <laughs> well, it was Columbus Day this week, whatever.
2: We got to make a, up a Cabrillo rhyme, I exactly. think. Exactly.
0: The ocean blue. Well, it's not so yeah. blue in a lot of places, so who knows? You know, things do change. But. um Anyway, have you done any collaborations with, uh, with Cabrillo and that ship in the History Center or anything like that? We have
2: in the past. We didn't uh, right now. The Maritime Museum did an amazing job getting that San Salvador thing off the ground. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot of obstacles in their way. And I got to hand it to uh, Dr. Ray know, Dr. Ray Ashley and the yeah. whole team, the volunteers especially. I mean, they just kept trucking. Yeah. So that was
0: not an easy project. Yeah. So that's a big piece of history as well. But, uh, well, let's get into, you know, the actual physical site of the History Center. One
1: more question. Where where did the Diego come from?
2: So St. Diego in 1542 in Cabrillo sailed, and he named it San Miguel because he landed here on the day of the feast of the Archangel of San Miguel. And so in 1602, when Sebastian Vizcaino came in here, he renamed it San Diego for a similar reason. It was for a Saint. Didn't
1: he play third saint base? Saint Didicus? I
0: think he played third base for the Padres, didn't I think? Yeah.
1: <laughs> So would, would that be Saint Didicus then? I
2: believe so. It probably is that. It's yeah. the
0: uh yeah. Yeah.
1: Just, folks get out your Wikipedia. Okay. No, that that would be right. <laughs> I'm doing etymology in my head. It yes, would be Saint are. Didicus.
0: Yes, you are. But um, anyway, the, the website, org, folks, there's a ton of information on there. And, of course, featured on the homepage is this wonderful Dr. Seuss exhibit, which is which opened, I guess, the first of the year and will be there till the end of the year. And if you have not been down there, it's an absolute must-see. How did that exhibit come together, Matt?
2: Well, we have been um, trying to get that exhibition for a long time. I've, uh, some people may or may not know that Theodore Geisel, a.k.a. Dr. Seuss, was a longtime San Diego resident. He lived... If you're sitting in the ocean looking at the Marine Room, just look up. He lived right above that. Mm-hmm. And um so, uh you know, he'd lived here in the 50s at a time when, um, you know, traditionally most of the men went to work and the women stayed home. And so he worked out of his home and he would hang out in La Jolla. And so got, he got to hang out with a lot of the uh, landed women gentry of the time. And so... This exhibition shows the artwork that stemmed from that period in his life, as well as some of the well-known characters that we all know and love. Houlton right, so he, he
0: not only was an artist and an illustrator, but he was a sculptor, because you have a lot on exhibit, you have a lot of those sculpted pieces. So he did all of those himself, huh? I mean, uh, they're, they're 3D folks. You have to go see some of these creatures and things he's created. It's uh, His imagination is just absolutely amazing.
2: Yeah, they all came out of his head. I don't think he sculpted any of them himself. He made The taxidermy, though, is... Uh, his father worked, Dr. Seuss's father worked for the zoo, and so his animals perished. They would have some pieces, and he would concoct some weird things when he was a kid. It just but shows the breadth of this
0: guy's imagination. Back in Massachusetts, that's yeah. what it's not I didn't know that. Well, you know, we've had a little history with uh, Audrey Geisel ourselves. I don't know if you knew about this, but uh, the former whaling bard... Uh was a place where he and Audrey had dinner from. You know, he moved to nineteen forty six. He wrote I think fifty four of the sixty books, wrote and illustrated mm-hmm. all, all of those here. And the plaque, Joe. Yeah, well we're gonna get to that, right? <laughs> the plaque. Well, uh, you know, right around you know, he passed in ninety one and uh um, I often thought there should be a plaque, some something, in downtown La Jolla because we all know about the sculptor that his stepdaughter made that's uh, outside the guy's library on the UCSD campus, which is kind of hard to find. You have to go up these steps; it's mm-hmm. not visible from the you know the sidewalk level. You have to go up these stairs, and but it's a beautiful sculpture, life size of him and uh, the cat in the hat. And you've seen it, right, Matthew? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's wonderful, but. Um, I just still think to this day, and it's almost because he had two aliens, you know, he had his, you know, he's Ted Geisel, and he's also Dr. Seuss, and he was kind of reclusive, didn't seek out a lot of publicity, so a lot of people didn't even know who he was, he could walk down the street and no one would know it was Dr. Seuss, but um, I did get a hold of uh, of Audrey Geisel, I said, you know, we should have a plaque somewhere, and in July, uh, July 8 of 2012, actually, after many, many years, and Richard helped out uh, getting this done with the new owners of the of La Valencia, we did unveil a plaque there on that wonderful that wonderful sunday afternoon uh from four to seven and uh, i'll never forget it. i've got pictures and video you just and- sent
1: me a picture yes so I- joe if right now you have nothing to deuce from wherever you're living try to break loose if you take the train ride in the caboose and get down to the park and see dr seuss
0: who wrote that you <laughs> i did right now oh. <laughs> Wow. All right, can we get that made into? Where's a pla- my psychiatrist, Matthew? Can- Matthew, can we get that made into a plaque? I'm going to and- put it in the exhibit. I okay. Think so yes, Richard, you belong in an exhibit. It just
1: <laughs> popped it in my head. I mean, Doctor Seuss does that to me. Oh my God, that so, is that is fantastic. Do you like Green Eggs and Ham, Joe? Yeah,
0: I don't know, but anyway, it's going to be open till January. I just saw January 3, 2016. So you've got till January 3rd to get down there to see the exhibit. But Anyway, who who was instrumental in in working on that was it your CEO and and the, the the Seuss Foundation and all the and Audrey of course and, and all her people.
2: Yeah, as you can imagine, it takes a while to get this thing in motion. So our prior executive director started the ball in motion, and our mm-hmm. current CEO right now, uh, you know, brought it home. And so we worked really closely with Dr. Seuss Enterprises. They were great. You know, uh, during the opening of the exhibition, uh, we wished Aubrey, Audrey had been there, but uh, she wasn't feeling well. But, right. Um, she gave a, a, a personal note, and and we had it read aloud. It really felt like he was there that night.
0: Yeah. Well, we got to take our little break right, right now. We're going back uh, with new sports and weather. We'll be right back with Matthew Schiff from the San Diego History Center right after this. Take care. All right, we're back in the second half of It's Your Money and Your Life, the award-winning show, and this is the time where Richard thanks our sponsors.
1: I was going to try to thank our 11 sponsors and Dr. Seuss Rhyme, but it's just impossible on such short notice, <laughs> so we're just going to keep it basic. <laughs> Big thank you to UBS. Michael Caranta and Drew Friedis couldn't do it without UBS. Also got to see those guys in town here earlier this week. Always nice to see them, Michael and Drew from UBS. Our favorite CPAs on the planet, two of them. Are two groups of them, Plato Epic CPAs up in San Marcos, more traditional CPAs, just got through the extension filing deadline with great ease. Also, Jason Kruger, Signature Analytics. Signature Analytics is by far and away the best CFO company here on the West Coast with five different locations. Carl Sheeler with Berkeley Research Group, helping business owners understand the risks that drive the values of their businesses. If you can reduce those risks, you increase value. Also, Joel Grushkin with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Now, with all this money that Carl and Joel make for you, how about Brenda Geiger with the Geiger Law Office? Brenda specializes in asset protection and estate planning. Hub International, also known as Mars Maddox. Best employee benefits firm here in San Diego, probably in the United States. Neil Staley was a recent guest. And with everything going on with health care reform, a very, very important topic. Also, another recent guest, Lane Elliott with California Republic Bank. And boy, do I have a story, Joe, about how networking and collaboration works as it relates to California Republic Bank. But I can't tell it until next week All right, because the official date to tell it isn't quite here yet. It's a couple days away. And the LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, helping wealth advisors make CPAs heroes to the CPAs' very best clients. LG has a big event coming up at La Costa Omni Resort on November 2, 3, and 4. Check out myperfectclient.com. Yes, we don't have enough to do during Thanksgiving week with the Oceanside Turkey Trot, so we're bringing women's professional tennis back to San Diego that week too at the Park Hyatt Aviar, the Carlsbad Classic. Check out cldclassic.com. And come on out Thanksgiving week and have some fun on the tennis courts. And last but certainly not least, the Ending Elder Financial Abuse Alliance, spearheaded by Paul Hines. Paul, of course, is the president of Hearthstone Private Wealth Management. So a big thank you to all of our sponsors. And Joe, there's some really cool stuff about our sponsors where... Well, if they just get their
0: cursor over um, to—go to our website first, obviously, iymoney.com. Get their cursor over to the Sponsor tab. There's a drop-down menu with uh, all their information, uh, their their contact information, their biographical information. And I know they've all been working with Richard for many, many years with great success. In some
1: cases, dating back to the (laughs) early 80s. Speaking of history, speaking of ancient history. history. To the days of the San Diego (laughs) Historical Society.
0: But anyway, we did get this plaque unveiled uh, honoring Dr. Seuss at the favorite booth of his, which with uh, booth number three at the former Whaling Bar. It's now Cafe La Rue. So there is
1: no more booth number three. Yeah, all
0: that's history. But the food's still good. The food's good. I do wish that... they would have saved some of the booths uh, in any well, case. that one. Yeah, that, well... Raymond Chandler. They should have saved one wall uh, of booths, I think, mm-hmm. but uh, but who am I, you know, I, I, I hope they're doing well up there, and it, it's gone through a metamorphosis, and of course, they still have the great art of Wing Howard up there, which uh, is historical as well. They've preserved all that, as he did a lot and his the,
1: son was a guest on our show.
0: That's correct, so... But um, anyway, so the Dr. Seuss exhibit is up and running. How many people have you had through there, Matthew? Because I know it must be thousands.
2: I can proudly say that we're up about
0: 140% from the year prior. But I mean, for the do you actually clock the Well, I just yeah, come so through the door. About quor- we're just under a quarter of a million people. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Just for the Doctor Seuss exhibit, or the whole the whole facility?
2: We don't we don't we don't separate it like that. So yeah. if they come in the museum,
0: that's where. Well, we, count we know. On, I, 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 everybody you, usually. You, goes. you have to account. I think you have to give Doctor Seuss a lot of credit for a lot of that increase, don't you? Oh, think? for sure, for yeah. sure. Then he just published another book. This guy's still writing yeah. for <laughs> the grave. <laughs> the Tupac of children's books. That's it. Still writing for the grave. Math, is great. <laughs> So let's see. The so, fo- Joe,
1: do you know what Beethoven is doing in his grave? Uh, He's decomposing. De- but yes. anyway. But, um, but, <laughs> but you digress. Oh Sorry. my gosh,
0: this is turning into <laughs> real cornball. But uh, and <laughs> we've heard that before. But I Folks, now can anyone get into the to the photo library down there, Matthew? Because uh, if you, that's just, I mean, you could spend hours just looking at these historical pictures of them, these black and whites. I love that. So, I mean, you, whenever I see them out at bars, restaurants, or other places, I just that's the first thing I gravitate. I actually for. take pictures of the pictures. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's illegal. I know. I know. <laughs> But uh, not yet, at the museum. Yeah. But anyone can go in, right?
2: Anyone can go in. Uh, you know, the the archives are open. The photo archives are open to anybody who goes into the research library um 2.5 million photographs will obviously take you a long time to get through but i i think our number one complaint is that we're not open long enough people get in there and they just get lost and everything and so most of the historic photos you see around town are actually from our archive and they make uh, really great accentuations to offices homes businesses
0: yeah so well, how did
1: you it, how did the museum come into possession of so many photos? Is it just by knowing people and buying collections as people pass and
2: Admittedly one of our biggest collections is the UT collection sure. and when they moved from plates to um, early digital they you know they they were going to get rid of them and so okay. we took them in we took about a million photographs but a lot okay. of the other ones were uh, believe it or not title insurance companies oh, people wow. early on when they were trying to That's you know smart. survey land they mm-hmm. took pictures of and course. so some of the great ones we have are these aerials of San Diego which mm-hmm. Don't even look like San Diego because there are no freeways, there's no nothing. Right, but they were taken at a time when it was just basically biplanes. I mean, it wasn't yeah. necessarily just run of the mill. It was kind of a big deal taking aerial photography. Right. Well, in the speaking 20s. of
0: history, we all know uh, we all know Lindbergh took off from I guess where the site of the current uh, uh, airport, main, main po- well mi- Dutch Dutch Flats, where the right. main post office is, and um, actually built it. You know where solar turbines is by Sixth and or not by Pacific Highway, right? Right at the end yeah. of the runway. Uh, there's solar. T- there's a conference room in there. They have a plaque on the wall, and that's where he built that first plane. But so this was kind of the birthplace of of uh, aeronautics, and so it doesn't surprise me that we have a lot of aerial photos. Exactly, uh, going back there, you can see the dairy farms in Mission Valley. Right, it was a big farming area. But yeah, I mean it, it, it's just amazing. I mean
2: we have this story on Wyatt, or when he lived here, he had a, ho- a horse racing uh, track. Out of town, and what out of town meant basically right then is right near PB. So <laughs> you're just like, what? out of town, you get it?
0: There were airstrips in PB. <laughs> now, uh, you've got some other collections you have objects, photographs, obviously, documents. What kind of objects and documents, uh, do you have? Well, um, still my favorite document that we have
2: is um, some of the things from Father Palou written about uh, Father Sarah. Um, we got the great land sale deed from Alonzo Horton when he purchased uh, most of downtown for $259. Oh. That was a good deal. Yeah, it was like 27 cents an acre. It was just outrageous.
0: How many acres did he buy? Oh. Uh, off the top oh. of my head,
2: I think it's like 910 acres. Yeah, it'd be about
0: 1,000 if you do the math. Oh, but, it, it, I mean,
2: it was just crazy. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, we have a promissory note from Wyatt Earp. Here's this gunslinger. And then he's got a, he has made a promise to pay back somebody at a you know, certain rate for milk. So it was just, you know, gunfighters doing grocery shopping.
0: And weren't there Bordello didn't he own a Bordello? oh. the Bordellos downtown? I mean, you know. Yes. It took a lot many years for the to clean up downtown, right?
2: We we did a great exhibition. It was called Sin Diego <laughs> the, <laughs> the Stingery's transformation from vice to nice. Uh-huh. And it just talked about downtown being, you know, like as soon as Alonzo Horton built that that uh, wharf at the foot of 5th Street, suddenly we could accept, you know, cargo and everything. So basically mm. the world showed up at the foot of 5th Street and it turned into just, you know, the Tenderloin in San Francisco or the Bowery in New mm. York. and or so Bourbon Street, right? Just so seedy for so long. And as soon as, you know, suburbanization took place and people started moving out to the suburbs, you know, downtown really just went downhill. And mm-hmm. so... On October 22nd, we have an event uh, coming up about uh, we're inviting Pete Wilson to come in and talk about his time in office and Mm. specifically um, when he was mayor and he, you know, was very instrumental in cleaning up downtown. He has this great story about him bringing, you know, CEOs from companies showing them this million dollar view and they said, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay you a dollar for this because it's too seedy downtown. Hey,
0: here's a bit of history. Man on Wire, that famous movie about a documentary about Philippe Petit. Uh, and there's another movie. Uh, there's a feature film coming out based on his life called Wire. He actually you know, crossed between the World Trade Center mm-hmm. on the a, on a high wire back in 74, I believe. Anyway, I remember when Horton Plaza opened, they put up a high wire, and he lowered the key to the city down to some, to Pete Wilson or somebody above Horton Plaza. I remember that wow. specifically. So talk about some—, yeah, some so, so
1: does the museum have a lot of photos of the 1915 exposition? or at the 100th anniversary.
2: We do have a lot of those for sure. Yeah. And we actually have an exhibition going on right now that uh, talks about— that event itself, it's called uh, When San Diego Invited the World. Because that was like
1: the first big thing that ever happened in San Diego, right?
2: Absolutely. And it all took place because they completed the Panama Canal. You know, like mm-hmm. I was just telling Joe, this right. place was super hard to get to for a long time. As soon as the Panama Canal, mm-hmm. now everybody could show up. Yeah.
0: Right. Anyway, we got to take a little pause right now. We're, we'll be right back with Matthew Schiff from the San History Center with more great information right after this. Hang on. All right, we're back with the last segment with Matthew Schiff from the San History Center on It's Your Money and Your Life. And uh, where did we leave off? We wanted to talk about uh, your, some events. I know you had uh, former governor, mayor, and Senator Pete Wilson coming up October 22 there. That's uh, a, a, a ticketed event, right? I mean, that's uh, Yeah, it's not a, a freebie. fundraiser. Yeah. And then I see um, you have your trustees meeting, and then... Uh, course, we had this wonderful guest on, uh, Dr. Richard Letterer, the Verbivore, who started uh, the program Away Away with Words. He did a show with us uh, back a few months ago.
1: We really had to study to get ready for that. <laughs> yeah, <one. laughs>
0: this guy is really a genius. He'll be there now. That uh, is open to the public. It's just a it's a very uh, small, uh, modest ticket amount. Anyone can go. That's 6:30 on October 28, and it's all on the website san But have you met him before? He's really brilliant.
2: I have not. This will be my first opportunity, and I'm really you, looking forward you'll love to this.
0: it. will yeah, yeah, you he's will, Incredible. You will be uh, amazed and thrilled. You give him any word, he'll give you the complete history of the, the word, <laughs> you know, the etymology. Uh, he, he's just a, a brilliant, brilliant guy. So, what, so tell us about some educational events. You mentioned school in the park. Tell us what that is all about. So,
2: uh, as you guys probably know, history's sort of taken a hit in the public schools, <laughs> as it uh, as you know, math and science. Um, sort of get the forefront and so one of the things is you know a lot of kids don't know about this this land that they live in and you know history gets a bad um, probably a do uh, a very um justifiable rap that you know it's sort of consensus history well we here at the history center have great stories to tell little known stories about san diego and since this these aren't being taught in the schools we bring the schools into us and this is through a program funded by the price charities um, it's called School in the Park, and we get a bunch of uh, underserved classes. Um, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. I think we get something like 1,000 different kids <laughs> every year in this, and they get to you know, be in the museum, learn in the museum, touch, feel, experience the objects, the... The documents. So it's a, it's a really good... I wish I had learned history that way. And and you have a,
0: a, a docent or somebody answering questions for them or giving little lectures, right? The, the whole education core is devoted to That's that. That's really great. You bring it to life. It's almost like taking a documentary and making it 3D, right? Exactly. And I mean, you know,
1: I'm, I'm amazed at how many people in San Diego don't know, for example, that San Diego once upon a time was like the tuna fishery capital of the planet.
2: Exactly. I think in 1940. Ninety percent of all of the tuna consumed in the United States was canned here in was San Diego. Was canned
1: here, and, and that industry even lasted into the 1980s. In addition to working for the San Diego Historical Society, oh. I was the accountant for some of the Portuguese and Italian tuna fisher. Well, we had bumblebee you know, fisher, uh, any, uh, boat owners. Are, are any
0: of the canneries still left? And we had bumblebee for no. a long time. They're all gone. They're all gone. None Whoa. here. Well, we're overfishing the oceans, too, so that's another that's another show, Richard. we got to talk about uh, trying to preserve or save the fish. I know
1: it's such a vibrant history.
0: Yeah. Oh,
2: it's a great history. I mean, Little Italy, basically, mm-hmm. and Rosecrans came about. Point Loma. Point Loma came about
0: because of the Portuguese mm-hmm. and Italians. Mm-hmm. There's still a big population of Portuguese here, right? Um, I know they have the Portuguese Hall in, in yep. Point Loma, yep. a nice facility. So, Now, the, you have this photograph on your website, org, of these... Uh, well, it keeps transferring, but what's that one with all the uh, the black and white with all the older the older gentlemen?
2: So that was in front of a uh, the Tivoli bar a
0: long time ago. <laughs> if
2: people don't know that uh, the longest-running bar, at the waterfront bar downtown oh, might argue, it? but it has to do with how you look at the liquor license. The Tivoli's been there since 1885. I think. Now, now, where is that? The Tivoli is, gosh, I think it's on the corner of 8th and G, but I could be wrong. Uh, it's downtown, but 1885, and... You know, a lot of people don't realize. So, we did a craft beer exhibition not too long ago, right when craft beer was starting to come into the forefront. Mm-hmm. And um, you, uh, there have been a couple articles that have been coming out now about some mergers in in the beer brewing world and uh-huh. some of the craft breweries are selling out and it's exactly what happened back in the night in the you know right before prohibition although mm-hmm. well, we had a number of little craft breweries in town in fact the first one was right where the 94 and 15 come together out at choice creek huh uh interesting story about that guy his brewery did the best business on sunday because it's right next to mount hope cemetery and when <laughs> people were leaving the funeral they would stop by and uh
0: you know have a cold one exactly drown sense. their sorrows i put it right next to a church too because uh, you know after a long sermon you're Ready for a cold one, right? right? And the Padres weren't and the Chargers weren't <laughs> playing yet. And of course after last Monday night's nice game you need another cold one. Exactly. So it's all good. But anyway,
2: so it's it's just neat working at the History Center and you see uh the past is present. You know there, we had a lot of breweries, they all consolidated, sold out. I don't know. I'm not judging the future, but maybe the same things afoot in the craft beer industry. Oh, it's and going those. to happen
1: because there's too many small ones. Yeah, just natural economics. Not enough
0: people drinking it, I guess. Right. Well, I mean, there's there's some really nice facilities out there. I think they're just catering to the to the public too, because um, you know you see these the, the breweries are there, but they also have large you know areas where people come in and drink the beer too. So they must be must be surviving somehow. But you're right. Yeah. There's like oh, I think 104 now. A lot of um, them. But I don't know. We digress. We've had Greg Cook <laughs> done a lot of that. We don't today. want to solve the distribution. We had Bruce
1: on. We had Greg Cook on.
0: Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll have to get an update on the beer industry. Uh, maybe we'll get uh, Jerry Sanders on here uh, for you know we've had him as mayor. We haven't had him as Chamber of Commerce CEO. So we should uh, get him up. and Get him on the show. Um, he was very integral in getting a lot of those craft mm-hmm. breweries the legislation they needed. He'd be great. I asked him how do you stay so thin? You know, he still walks seven miles a day. So uh, that'll do that'll it. That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, org. I see you've got uh, private events there. What kind of private event can I do there?
2: Well, one of our most popular things is getting married up at the Sarah uh, uh, Museum. I think Richard can attest there is just no better view in San oh, Diego than kidding. that. And, you know, uh, the, I always like to say... Great historic weddings start in historic places, so mm, that's really a good get, sales point. Yeah,
0: sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so those are some of the events, and then of course you can rent our space for you know conferences, stuff like that. Great out of the box for the office to come do mm-hmm. a. Mm-hmm training or something amidst the past.
0: Now, what's this? You have a photo on your website of uh, two two young gentlemen with surfboards over their head of black and white. What is that all about? Well, we got a big surfing
2: collection, as you know. It really took off here in Southern California, and luckily somebody was around taking pictures of it and
0: to put them in our archives, and we have a lot of surfing pictures. Is that right?
2: Now, A that's lot an, of
0: them. That's an interesting thing. You, you guys ought to talk to, the, I know there's some surfing organizations Uh, We had we had Bill Powers here from uh, from uh, Power Scuba. You know, maybe collaborate with them and get an event going down there, showing some of vintage surf films and and maybe one new one. Who knows? Yeah,
2: the uh, the Hall of Champions down there has uh, has an exhibition on surfing, and the Mingay actually right now has one. Uh, craft surfboard, uh, surfboard, the craft of making
1: surfboards. Huh. So does the museum have a lot of old sports pictures from San Diego?
2: We do have a lot of old sports pictures. We got this great picture of uh, Babe Ruth after his 27th season out at the San- Sweetwater Reservoir okay. in a rowboat wow. with a shotgun aimed at himself but swinging it like a bat. So, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, that's I, a real popular I know boy. he liked his
0: beer, so <laughs> but just apparently the, not guns. I just didn't. the
1: uh, Pacific Coast League history in this city of all the great major leaguers who had previously played and then were older. Yep. The Ted Williams. Brilliant in this town. Ted, Ted Williams, of course. Hoover High School.
0: Yeah. You know, I just found out something this week about Babe Ruth. His last World Series was 1932. It was against the Cubs, and it was uh, one of those – the fans were so fanatical. I guess they were screaming at Wrigley, and, and he had two straight – and he made, he made that famous motion. to I'm yeah, gonna hit Char-
1: Charlie Root was pitching. Yeah, he was
0: going to hit it over, over the center field wall. Uh, and there's some debate that he was either – you, know, um, you might have just wave, been stretching a shoulder. Or, or, or wa- a fly, or, yeah. Wa- yeah, or waving to the dugout of the uh, the Cubs or whatever. But anyway, he did crush a ball <laughs> over the center field wall. But that was his last World Series, 1932. I didn't know it was uh, – you know, I thought he played longer than that. But, uh, boy, he was all through the Roaring Twenties and I guess into the uh, onset of the and, and we had a
1: lot of the um, African-American players who followed Jackie Robinson play here in minor league baseball mm-hmm. and then shortly followed Jackie. Luke Easter, Larry Doby. I remember that. Former San Diego Padre. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Larry Doby power hitter, right? Mm -hmm. Remember that name. But, uh, well, gosh, we've got about um, um, a minute left here. Uh, Anything else we want to wrap up with? I I know you've got Dr. Richard Letterer coming up on the 28th, Uh, Mayor, Governor, Senator Pete Wilson, October 22. Uh, any closing thoughts, Matthew? We really appreciate you having you uh, having, uh, join us today, but uh, what else do we need to know as we close?
2: Yeah, no, thank you guys very much for having me. Uh, so the next big thing we're going to bring to San Diego is uh, 19, in 2016, it will be the 100th anniversary of the San Diego Zoo. A lot of people don't know that the zoo started because of all of the Leftover animals from the uh, California Wonderland, border. right? Mm-hmm. No, well, mm-hmm. a couple of those. But mm-hmm. then, at the after the at the end of the exposition in 1915, oh, yeah. uh, Doctor Harry Wegeforth was driving yes. through and he heard a roar of a lion and said, "Wouldn't it be great if San Diego had a zoo?" And Doctor so, we'll Wegeforth, we'll yeah. tell that
1: story. Someone told me it's all happening at the zoo. Yes, <laughs> Simon <laughs> and Garfunkel. And
0: apparently, uh, all the kids and mothers and mom they they uh, picketed the city hall to get that zoo in there. So there was a big big movement back there. We got to do a, a show on the zoo too. Richard and some of the That'd history be fun. But Anyway, thank you so much, Matt Schiff, thank for being our, our guest, and um, it's just been a real uh, pr- uh, privilege and a pleasure to have you join us. And yeah, um, and Richard, let's see, when is your tennis tournament coming up? And, well, week of
1: Thanksgiving, CLD Classic.com. I can't announce players until the first week of November.
0: Okay, but you also, but I will. But you have the Oceanside Turkey Trot Thanksgiving and, morning, and, and then go twelve thousand runners, and then go right going right into the, uh, the, tennis. the tennis, which is phenomenal. It's gonna be so. a busy week. Yes. Anyway, Justin, how about some outro music, and uh, we're and uh, we'll be seeing or you next not. time. It's up to you, <laughs> <Justin>. <laughs> Thanks to Matt Schiff. Thank you, Richard Musio. Justin Harder, our Thanks, board Matt. operator. Thank you for making us sound good. Thank you to Craig Blanke, our con executives and our programming genius chair at KFMB. Dave Sniff. Next week, it's Martin Stabas from the Beister Institute and David Arison from the from Mia. All about water conservation. We'll see you next time on Instrument in Your Life. All these podcasts are on iymoney.com. Bye-bye now.